Lost and Sound is sponsored by Audio Technica. Audio Technica, a global but still family-run company that makes studio-quality yet affordable products. They make the first microphone I ever bought. They make stuff that I use. They make stuff that you probably use too, because they believe that high-quality audio should be accessible to all. So head on over to audiotechnica.com to check out all of their range of stuff. Okay, I'm Paul Hampford, and you're about to hear a conversation on Lost and Sound with Graham Coxon and Rose Eleanor Dougal. How are you doing? I hope you're having a really, really lovely day wherever you are, whatever you're doing. I'm Paul Hamford. I'm a writer and author based in Berlin, and you're listening to Lost and Sound. This is the show where each episode we meet the musical innovators, the outsiders, the mavericks, the artists that do their own unique thing, and we talk about life and the things that inspire us to make the things that we make, because beautiful things don't come out of a hierarchy of knowledge, they come out of sharing. Previous guests have included Peaches, Jim O'Rourke, Chili Gonzalez, Letitia Sadier, Ghost Poet, Cozy Funny Tutti, Nastia, Anton Newcomb, Nightmares on Wax, and Thurston Moore. And today, you're going to hear a conversation between two artists with their own separate, unique musical tapestries that have come together. They are Graham Coxon and Rose Eleanor Dougal. Rose started out in the Brighton form of the Pipettes in the early millennium, taking a postmodern approach to the concept of a Phil Spector girl group. She's since recorded solo and for Mark Ronson, and her solo music is, like on her most recent album, A New Illusion from 2019, sort of taps into a dreamy yet darkly tinged sound that has elements of psychedelia, of folk, of kraut, of lushness, of darkness. Very lovely stuff. Graham is, well, what we call, English people call, somewhat of a national treasure. As guitarist from Blur, he's been a major creative driving force behind some of the most iconic music of the last 30 years. And alongside, I'd say, Thurston Moore and Johnny Mark, created a real alternative version of the guitar hero one without the strident alpha masculine posturing one that with a sense of vulnerability and a sense of experimentation and 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 taking taking the past and loving it but doing its own thing with it and think of the kind of vulnerability he's brought to some of the best blur songs like coffee and tv and and i could just go on and on and on as a solo album he's released eight studio albums played most of the instruments on them and as well runs the label transcopic and a big heads up this isn't a big chat about blur or graham's past too much this is a a a conversation about two super talented people that have come together to make an album the wave it's a project that 
came out of that really already seemingly quite bizarre, weird, dreamlike, dark, but also nest-like time of lockdown. And in the process of the two recording together, they became a couple. And the album that we've got now, which is out on February the 5th on Transcopic, is lush, it's dark, it's sort of very English in the most sort of paganistic, dark, old way. It's also very cinematic. There's elements that remind me of French film scores from the 60s and 70s. There's a sort of touch of like soft machine going on in there as well. It's it's a real, it's a feast. If you like stuff where there's lots of sounds, lots of things going on, lots of like, it's a rich sonic palette that you can kind of dive into if if you don't mind my kind of slightly journo jargon there and we had this conversation a couple of weeks into january very very recently and this is what happened i know i know i can't believe it i was just i was just like i was on zoom and then i had that thing where there's a guy cutting a tree down outside and i got distracted by how high up he is attached to the tree and it sort of uh disorientated me but how are you doing <laughs> not bad thanks yeah good cool and and how's how's the new year for you do you feel like you still saying happy new year or are you sort of does it feel like a long time ago now it's the past now yeah. Don't say Happy New Year anymore. <laughs> yeah. So we could say it to you. We could say Happy New Year to you. I'd love that if you could. Yeah, you think you've got to get on with it. Got to get on. Yeah, 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 definitely. Definitely. Well, thanks so much for chatting with, with me today. And I totally love the album. And yeah, um, one of the things I love about it is just the scope and the kind of the ambitiousness in terms of the lyrical themes and the way all of the sounds and the directions the music go. Um, I can hear everything from talk, talk to like old French film scores in it. And did you have an idea at the beginning of, of what you wanted it to sound like, or was it something that you kind of went into kind of quite blindly? Um, Yeah. The latter, I think we, I mean, I think both of us had talked a lot about the music that we liked before we started to, in bar, like started to work together we sent each we were sort of emailing each other quite a lot for a few weeks like sending sharing music and discussing I don't know I think we kind of already understood what we liked about music in a way it was like kind of unspoken understanding but um I mean obviously I was really aware of Graham's output um like forever and he um, likes on you I guess you knew what you liked about what I was doing. So there was a kind of common ground there to start with. But I think neither of us had like a game plan, particularly. The way that all the songs kind of came together was, you know, it was always just like one of us building on what and responding to what the other person had, like what layer the other person had put in. So like someone would start with a chord progression and the other person might, like Graham might add a bass line and I might add a melody and then there'd be this sort of, and then it sort of started to create a whole form which took itself in its own direction so there was that it wasn't like it's kind of a different way a different approach to writing songs in a way was it quite easy to find the point where the material started to kind of come alive because i know what it's like with like all kind of creative processes that there's stuff when you're trying things out and then there's a point where it's like you've got two stones and it's kind of like made a made a spark did you um were there like moments where you felt like this is okay this is actually becoming something more than just the two of you playing music together 
yeah yeah i think i think in initially we were quite tentative because we didn't really know what we were going to create i think we knew what people might expect us to create um perhaps what people's expectations might might be but that didn't seem to hang around the studio like a bad smell at any point we really were off quite quickly and and it, it may have been something like can i call you where there was a a chord sequence but very very soon we were it was a it, it was a sort of collaborating about how where these chords are taken and how these chords are treated and i think we we, we both got really involved in how a chord sequence can can change dynamically so those sorts of um sort of dual input sort of decisions and um happened pretty pretty fast i think within a couple of weeks which may have been five or six afternoons in all um about two or three songs definitely started to take shape and started to get quite exciting quite quickly um so we yeah i think it was it was like the kind of especially like songs like can i call you and stuff like we kind of in suddenly had the idea it's like the chords um structure the chord progression kind of stays the same throughout but we kind of decided to after my verse like subvert it and just add in like a double time drum pattern mm. and that suddenly just like lifted this whole thing and like just injected a whole load of new energy into the song and then actually that became like a kind of catalyst for thinking about writing other songs like that that it weren't just going to be these sort of like sort of lugubrious sort of nice pretty mel- melodic things it's like actually we could, there's a whole other world of like kind of slightly more aggressive propulsive music that we both got really excited about and so I think that kind of opened up this whole other landscape to the back to what the back like this suddenly is sort of feels a bit like a band now as opposed to just like sat in a little room in North London kind of fiddling about I don't know, I don't know just sort of <laughs> like there's a different bit bit more scope to the whole thing all of a sudden I think that kind of was a key point. Arrangements sort of got quite augmented as well because we, we may have a chord sequence that Rose went away and had had got a melody together over and it may have been a chord sequence that I had a melody in mind and so these di- different sections started to appear or they would overlap or or they would you know turn into different sections all, all together and so we actually had a lot more music than is necessary for songs a lot of mm-hmm. the time and had to really sort of carve back what was going on so that was um that was really interesting. I've never really had that before, where there's almost too much information. Yeah, and you have to sort of chip away at what's mm-hmm. essential. So it's really also there's the temptation when you kind of, especially making records nowadays, that like you do have like the whole sonic world at your disposal through a computer. And so you can, I think there's a potential temptation to sort of lose your like over, yeah, lose yourself, and it's hard to kind of define like a sonic palette. So it kind of became like important for us to sort of like really chip away and there was nothing superfluous or grandiose, like sort of too pompous or just there's like too much information 
And so we started to also realise that there were like key tenets to what the sound of the band was. Like Graham's guitar, obviously, so that has to be part of <laughs> has to be a big part of the thing. But also like introducing his saxophone playing and my mm. piano playing and our vocals as, together and separate and apart and um, and strings. And that kind of became like the fo- vocal, like the foundations of what the record became. Did the sessions just played us really it was like uh, we didn't exert much will over what was going on we just did what we thought fit and and these songs seemed to expand before our eyes really or ears and so it was it was really interesting because I don't know what we were going to create start with you know we didn't know whether we were going to just collaborate on one song that maybe Rose could put on an album or we, we we didn't really know but it just seemed not effortless because it wasn't nothing as effortless, but it seemed it seemed comfortable and and these sort of signposts for sort of the dynamics and 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 the sort of sonic landscape of them it became quite clear quite sort of quickly about what was at our disposal and what was working, what was sounding good together. And luckily, our voices sounded kind of good together. The saxophone thing gave it, took it into another direction. Because and, and the guitar playing comes with obviously a lot of guitars come with a lot of um, baggage and how to use guitars in a way that was was not uh, you know exerting too much sort of masculinity on 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 the sound of everything. Um, and then working with Rose because of her being a pianist, um, I, I liked how less limited the chords could be in sections of songs where they would really expand into the type of chords that that Rose is inclined to play which are are slightly richer than what I do on the guitar I mean that's just that's just a limitation of the guitar or my guitar playing um so it was really nice to go into a really sort of rich areas and 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 Rose getting on some string sounds and doing string arrangements and things like that and get inside those kinds of chords which are very sort of um, my what do i call it sort of fertile ground for melody is, is what i'd say but they are they, ju- they just sort of are really this long-winded answer no that's a that's a beautiful answer. no that's that's a, that's amazing that was like there was a lot there there was a lot you know I, I kept thinking of like about a million different questions to ask you from that but but also you also answered a lot of the questions as, okay. as you're saying um which is really good and like um ha, ha, um as a couple as well and as recording together was it sort of like was it important to did you kind of come up with sort of things in terms of like your relationship or in terms of the recording process where you're sort of you have to kind of draw a line or you're sort of was it quite different basically recording together as it was as it is being a couple um well the music was the first thing like we weren't Mm. um sort of saying yeah we went together when we started this project so Mm. um, we were sort of getting to know each other actually through working together uh so I mean, it's obviously everything kind of, there's a lot of, it's all kind of tied up together, but I, I don't think this record is like about our, I, I don't know, it's like, 
there's no it's really difficult question to answer that because it's mm-hmm. not like it's about our relationship the album but it's also there's like things that there's I think you can hear like two people kind of sort of finding each other creatively and sort of personally in it as well but um I guess I'd rather sort of I'd rather not talk it's like well we were in the present we decided really that that we could easily get together and grind our axes and about about our own personal lives and and mm. not too distant pasts and, and 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 whatever but what was nice about it is that it felt almost like the line had been a line had been drawn when we got together in this room and decided to work together and i think we focused very much on our feelings in those those moments and the feelings in the evenings after the sessions have ended when we both go home and we were sat with you know what had happened during the day the session and then maybe the lyrics would be written and and things like that so we'd sort of be reacting to the day's sessions in the evenings and then a couple of days later or whatever bringing those reactions in lyric form or whatever back to the session or or bringing a kind of a lyrical idea melodic idea to the next session so so it was almost um like it was self-propelling um and i i think the both of us were not particularly positive there, there was quite a lot of despondency i think personally with both of us about our positions within the music business the future of the music business the future of um humankind at that point <laughs> in, in the middle of early 2021 so it was a lot, a lot of uncertainty. Gravity had kind of somehow been switched off in a lot of ways, and we were all like floating in an uncertain space. Mm-hmm. So, I, I think that's what what happened, and, and and gradually, I think we just felt more and more comfortable, and it, and 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 seemed to get closer. But it's not something I don't think we we really trusted all of t- all of the time you know, because we were in the suspension, like everybody else. It was a really odd, surreal time. But, think, but gradually, I think, as the music started to be created, I don't know, it, it became well, it, so obviously uh, that she was such a, a, a real, that uh, the, the collaboration was, I'm, I'm trying to say something other than really quite special. Yeah, it's like wow. I'm quite. I'm. I'm. I'm actually a bit blown away by what's going on. Yeah, I think it's yeah. just like a really freeing experience. In like, I don't know. I I felt like we are still talking about this thing that was yesterday. Like, I like really said like felt from the beginning like Graham just like really believed in me. You know, so something like that came at a really important mm. time. I think hopefully that mm. was vice versa. And when you have that sort of like, there's a kind of implicit trust like then actually like the whole world sort of opens up and you can just like there's no you can kind of move forward without fear and that's actually like I think that's what I hear in the album and that's um like you know that stuff doesn't happen very often so yeah I mean I've I've gone through the music industry we both have really without I don't think feeling particularly um what's the word valued maybe right and i and i think we were quite unashamed in our mm. support of each other and put and and that the value and it was obviously we had that we 
we felt we had value with each other in this work. And um, so that was great in encouraging us to do new things maybe with our voices, yeah. just try and, and make it thought of ourselves almost really. It was, it was a bit scary at times to write some of the lyrics and, and risk looking foolish, but it was kind of, it, we were trying to work with a sort of truth in mm. that situation really. So uh, it, it wasn't without it. It's, you know, imagining that any any day you could fall into an abyss. <laughs> and, and it's strange because a lot of the songs are about a sort of an a, oblivion and just giving up and giving in and, you know, but, but, but sort of somehow used in with it, with, within those sort of the physical geography of this country and within sort of folkloric Sort of mechanism mechanism mechanisms mm. and it was such an interesting so you say you recorded it it was like early 21 and the the kind of the the, the i mean the lockdown thing was still going on and this is yeah. like you so mentioned about the sort of sense of suspended reality and graham you also mentioned about being in the present uh just now as well in, in the recording session and creating something that isn't attached to the past but you're also bringing in your experiences but without any kind of future sort of idea of what it could be yeah. and, and stuff like that and do you fact did you uh, I think that idea of being in the present to make something I think a lot of the best albums and best pieces of art are, are made where people don't have an idea of what they're going to do next it's just in that moment you know I, I always think of the rolling the good rolling stones albums for some reason i'm not even a big rolling stones fan mm-hmm. but but those kind of ones they always seem to like the sort of sticky fingers exile on main street they seem to be recorded because of what was going on around them at the time um do you feel like this is a you know it already feels like a different time now do you yeah. feel like do you get a sense of being transported back to a very, very weird, hopefully never, never to be repeated time in human history. When you when you listen to the music, I do. Yeah, and, and I, I don't mind if it's repeated. <laughs> I mean, not for the world at large and everything, obviously. Mm. But, but that sense of um, solitude with somebody and working, I, I that that was, was kind of, of great. There was no yeah. distraction. Um, it was really nice to sort of be able to work kind of secretly as well and no one had any expectation no one was asking for any like no one gave you know no one gave a shit if like anyone was working or not it's sort of you could actually and I think and we had no audience in mind yeah exactly Mm. and um you know if if that lockdown hadn't happened like you would have been on tour with bloody Duran Duran or whatever (laughs) like so there might not have been a wave album there might not have been all the other things that came after so so many things you know it's just weird Mm. how life is like turns on a dime you know if like me Graham or I hadn't said yes to doing this gig for our friend just like a charity event then none of this would have, you know, it's just like, th- so like tiny little moments can just shift like the whole course of what happens in your life. And yeah. It, I mean, if you hadn't like, had that, you know, little glass of tequila that <laughs> that maybe propelled you to that, say, we should work together. <laughs> I, mean, I, might, I might have got round to it. Maybe I'd I don't think it would anyway. Oh. You, you don't, you just don't know. I mean, um, it, 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 it was a sort of thing where I felt like, okay, we, we, in, in, January 20, uh, December 2020, we did a jazz cafe gig and we had a brief 
shy chat. And um, I don't know. I don't know. I I sort of thought maybe that would be a good, good idea. I don't. I don't know. But 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 the idea came up from Rose that maybe we should write a song or or, or do some music together. Oh and I saw that as a, a great opportunity for me to actually come out of a bit of a negative. I hadn't really done any work in 2020. I felt mm. kind of slightly bereft and despondent about about a lot of things really. But that did seem to offer an opportunity where, what what is there to lose here? You know, um, and 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 to actually maybe go forward and try working, but with the support of somebody else. And I'd never done that before. I mean, I've tried to be quite self sufficient, and maybe that's not the best way to be. Maybe maybe a lot of my stuff would be a lot better if I'd have been collaborating with people um, more. So in that way, it was it was an absolutely new sort of idea to get together in a room and start writing with somebody. Mm. But there was nothing else bloody going on, and and it was it felt really like blow it, like you know, mm. it's, it's kind of the music industry is seemed to be getting tougher and tougher, and um, it was a little bit like, well, where's the space or the place for for me within it anymore? Um, am I relevant? Am I this? You know, you get all sorts of questions going through your mind. But it was it was a good opportunity to make music and not really give care. shit about that. Not really care mm. about that stuff. Um, yeah, because that really is making music that we really enjoyed making. Really, it's kind of mm. um, quite simple in a way because this just was really amazingly fun. Yeah, <laughs> it's really fun. It was good fun. <laughs> I don't know, like after all that, you can sort of get it, but it was just really fun. I had a really great time making this album. It was brilliant. Yeah. You know. Well, I can sort of hear that in it a bit because there's so much shit. Because I know it's quite heavy weather, some of it. (laughs) I know, but (laughs) I I love that. I love the heavy weather myself. I I was really conscious of making sure there was like some exuberance and sort of like, I don't know joy in there, so as well, you know, and like it could try to sort of move you. That's sort of the idea, not just well, being yeah. self-serving. Yeah. You know, so like a lot of music is sort of feels really self-serving these mm. days. Sort of all about like virtue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go in a rant, but there's like I feel like there's a genre of like my journey music, and I'm just like oh. I don't give a fuck about your journey. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to like feel something in your, I just want to be like, taken away somewhere. Like that's what I sometimes feel. With, that's what I looked for music to a lot. And um, I know that's, yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't really say that, but I, I, I know, and I know that we're sort of sat here talking about our journey, making the album. So it's a bit rough. But it's but kind of un-English, I, that thing, that journey thing. I, I think mm. the heavy weatherness, and I, I think because we're very, very English are we very English well, we're kind of English pretty mm. English um that we we really our heavy weatherness has to have release somewhere so mm. there is a lot of release of energy or there is humor in that somewhere that there, there there is definitely some distraction and um some payoffs for for taking the, <laughs> lis- the listener through some heavy shit you know all along is a pretty heavy you know pretty dour fucker you know yeah. <laughs> and, and you know it's it's kind of i remember when when i i sort of rose sent me through 
a kind of a, a, a vocal to it and I stuck it on the song sort of thing and I'm like whoa kind of slightly chilled my blood <laughs> in a good way that, but but that was a great signpost to where to take it sonically as well because at that point it was just a sort of a medieval instrument and a voice <laughs> at the end of it you know there was a lot more sort of um, darker sounds and, and distortion on it but then there's other there's there's, there's other just out and out romantic stuff on there mm. um there's there's it's playful i think at the same time as being hefty you know heavy the heavy weather that's kind of in a way part of being english as well isn't yeah. it that we and the sort of making fun out of stuff is sort of do you feel like it's like a kind of you know as as english people there's something that we have to do to alleviate the sort of the heavy weather the dark soil and the the the, the sort of yeah. morose state of things is is to sort of make sure that everything can be there's some joy in everything yeah i think there's a kind of wry humor that is one of the sort of saving graces of like i would say english culture um i mean i've been talking a lot about like what it is to be english now is like i really i think it feels so complicated and mm. i still so in, at odds with that whole thing but you know Graham and I have always sung in our own accents for example mm. so it's like and obviously you know Graham's got his like his other bands part of a whole kind of cultural moment and that is very much associated with all of that stuff as well and so I think it's impossible for either of us to sort of escape that so mm. what do you do and how do you reconcile that the um, you know like the co-opting of this sort of national identity that you can't feel any pride in and ter- that's been sort of turned into something so pernicious and fucking disgusting really yeah. uh, and but like what are the things that you can hold on to in that moment that are actually sort of time ha- like maybe impermeable to that stuff and mm. hopefully you can sort of the hit like there's sort of like storytelling and there's like the landscape of the of the country whether that be like the cities as well as the as the countryside like there's sort of there's a kind of like narratives that run through the folk songs that are really you know the history Mm. like the kind of deep long ancient history that feel that you can is i don't know intact somehow and actually belongs to something else that isn't so inward looking and so sort of fucking dangerous i don't know mm. like I, I don't know you know what i'm trying to say it's i 100 like, get what you're saying yeah they they, mm. they can easily manipulate what is surface englishness mm. and unfortunately a lot of mainstream and and, and people really only experience a surface englishness mm. um maybe so it's so it's difficult to it's easy to warp for people and it's easy to be and it's kind of persuasive in that way but the deeper englishness and i think the sort of the sort of englishness that's i like to call that sort of beyond the veil really Mm. if you want to get paganistic about it let's go paganistic yeah (laughs) but um and and sort of explore the the deeper more not not necessarily i mean verging on the supernatural you know Mm. 
But the thing is, this is within everybody's grasp, this deeper Englishness, and they know so much about it, but but nobody is interested in going deeper than the surface. And why should they be? You know, they're not all musicians. They're not into Martin Carthy. You know, mm. if you listen to the earlier recordings of Scarborough Fair, it's not called Scarborough Fair, and it's called The Elfin Night. And it's about something that's a lot di- different than what people imagine it is, that song. Mm. And, and and I think really that's the depth to what we want to choose to see our Englishness or we we, we see it. And, and maybe that's why we um, like to sort of sort of travel through our music to those kind of more more quieter landscapes in in England like the coasts and the and and, and the woodland sort of um commune commune <laughs> mm. elves no, but I, I i know it's a super superstition and it's kind mm. of i'm maybe too old to believe in all that sort of thing but i choose to because mm. i i sort of i like it why not yeah, and I think uh, I mean I get that on the album as well, and the, you know you sort of mentioned as well about the kind of the, the folk rock element and the the kind of um, last week on the show I had Mark Jenkin who who made the oh, film yeah. Ennis Main, you oh, know, yeah. which is sort of taps into this kind of idea of this like perhaps never ever existed or as you say like so long ago existed we've reinterpreted it kind of English folk horror or folk. Yeah. I really want to see that film. It's I really love Bates. Yeah. yeah. It's super it's super nice and it, it gets this kind of thing. And do you feel there's this sort of way that, you know, with, with the aspects of the Wave album as well, where it does conjure up this sort of, it's almost like a phantom of Englishness. Like, yeah, is it, did that really exist or did that not? Or yeah, do yeah. we sort of, do we view it now through like the Wicker Man or yeah, exactly. Stop Machine or something? Yeah, yeah. I think it, it, exactly. it, it existed enough for um, the Christians to try and smother it with their with their own stuff, you know. So it existed <laughs> enough to be dangerous. Um, so yeah, I, I like to think that under every church there is a a pagan site that was being covered up, you know. Yeah. And 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 it's a sort of an I, I think it's a nice sort of way to go through the year to take note of midwinter midsummer and all of that sort of thing yeah I, you know we it's, it's being, being in, in, in sort of as, as complicated as you want it to yeah be. and you feel like in contact with your like that goes we, we you know we go on cycles you know things grow in summer they don't grow in winter and i think the kind of christian thing just blasts over that shit you know and mm. that kind of goes against our nature and we sort of just get tethered to industrialization i'm talking a load of crap now but um you know i think so being in touch with that kind of thing is really really important i think i think yeah it becomes um i mean it feels a bit like the world's going to end so i think it's that you can actually going to (laughs) feel like you want to kind of tune in to what is actually happening like Mm. you want to tune to some of this other stuff because and that's not to say i'm like sticking my head in the sand against you know not aware of reality it's not a kind mm. of abandonment of like sort of I don't know like your ones it's so difficult like your responsibility as a, as a creative person like what are you meant to be representing of the time that you're living in and like are you actually contributing anything useful <laughs> like mm. what you say what you got to say like what are you saying and that's really like hard 
thing to grapple with. Um, but I think, you know, there are people that do it really well. They engage with the, you know, sort of making art that isn't totally like defined by the moment, but it completely represents it and or the place it comes mm. from. I think PJ Harvey, I don't always, mm. is a brilliant example of how she d- dissects like Englishness or Britishness or like you know, all the music, all the work, the place that she's making the music in, wherever that might be, is always like runs straight through the 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 what the out the final out product. Mm. But it's not fully, it's not sort of so stuck and limited to that one thing. It allows the listeners to like bring their own bring themselves to the music as well and if if you know what I mean there's like yeah heavy-handed and like really polemic and really sort of dogmatic like you know uh yeah intractable (laughs) I think that that's sort of those are the that's the stuff I'm kind of trying to find the space that's what I think we were trying to find that sort of space with what we did this time yeah I mean, I've also got that with like the, the music you've done in the past has kind of done that, like um, going back to say modern life is rubbish as well, felt to me like it was Englishness in a version of like a, like an Edward Hopper painting sort of in a way, like, you know, it's sort of feel like whatever happened with Britpop later on, you know, whatever bands came up and however it went, it felt like that sort of period of, it was, that was as a sort of, I was about 18 or 19 at the time when that came out. And that was, to me, was like the first time I it was like, seeing a kind of distanced approach to Englishness, if that makes sense. Um, is that something that, that relates to you or is that, was it just, was it just something that was going, going on around you at the time? I think, I think that is to do with maybe some influences. Maybe there is Kevin Ayres, Sid Barrett, maybe there is Julian Cope even. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but also Again, like we were saying about being English, we can't really get away from um, a, a sort of a, a, a melancholic drama. <laughs> and there is, and there is drama in the, the you know, to the line. I feel my heart; it dies in me. You know, it's quite over the top. You know, and 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 it's and it's almost like a sort of a, it's just expressive of that that as a sort of an outpouring. Mm-hmm. And and I think. I don't know whether Modern Life is Rubbish did that an awful lot, but I definitely tried doing that with guitars, say the, the guitars at the end of Oily Water. Mm. But again, there was a lot of playfulness in that. Is Villa Rosie on that album? You know, it's it's kind of a, it's kind of like a dark song, but it's presented in this kind of cheeky, winking sort of, you know. Yeah. As your father. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a, I'm, I'm not sure what it's about, but it's it's almost like one of the it's almost like a weird cheeky English version of some of the dark stuff that Steely Dan were talking about those secret mm. clubs and you you know you rap on the door with your cane and you're let in and mm. weird stuff that that kind of weird stuff but this kind of strange little um what goes on between the behind the net curtains down row and close you know Mm. some little little place in a town a a smaller sort of grubbier scale yeah do you both feel it's important to know what your songs are about Mm, I mean I know what some of the songs like I know what my words I know where they're rooted but I don't have to when you combine them with other ideas, they they don't they then turn into another thing. So they'll be 
rem- like resonant of I can sometimes remember the place I wrote those words or what who I'm directing a line at or whatever. But that's but I hope that that can become part of an overarching idea that is sort of separate from those personal details, if that makes sense. Mm, It doesn't always have to have like, I think that in the songs here, they have their own narrative arcs that were sort Mm. of formed because we both wrote each other. we, we, We both wrote the words that we sing. Like I wrote my words and Graham wrote his words. So we both have our own perspectives to bring to the song. So that means that they kind of like shift in these directions. And some of them have like slightly more like folky. Like Undine has got a kind of like proper story, but others have a bit are a little bit more painterly in the way that mm. they're not quite so like specific site specific. It's just funny I mean. how things mm. fell into place in that way. Like with with Undine, there's a, it's sort of it's set up by by Rose describing this, and there's this sort of washy sound mm-hmm. that, that maybe is she this a real woman or <laughs> spirit? Is this some sort of a siren, or is this a, a you know? It, it's, it's there's a sort of a supernatural mystery to it, mm-hmm. and so she wrote that first, and my voice was res- responding to that, and I suppose I could have. But I, I, I sort of chose to tell one of those simple stories that you get in lots of folk songs about well, as a young man going off mm. to war, probably joining Admiral Nelson. He's saying bye-bye to his sweetheart as the ship's coming in. But then it takes a different turn altogether. So um, I really like the way that we would respond to each other, each other's words in our own way. And maybe... I the, the, even misinterpreting each other's words mm. and going with it and and it going to to somewhere we didn't expect is it's all it's all it's all good and, it, and, <laughs> and it's all sort of weirdly subconscious you know it's it's um, yeah that's yeah and and does it become but now now it's it's out in a couple of weeks and you're going to be playing live. Does it feel strange to kind of go back to it in in the live context? Um, I'm really up. I think we only did a couple of shows last year, um, and they were. I felt like, it, yeah, they were really great. They actually worked so much better. Like I was really worried about like how the hell are we going to play this because the way we made it was just not thinking in those terms really. And um, actually, yeah, I think it really like functioned really well <laughs> in a live way and like um so we're kind of really up for that but um it does feel quite it's, it's like probably I, the most sort of exposing album I've been a part of in a way mm. like I feel it's so personal like so, uh, there's so much like tied into that this I don't know there's a lot like <laughs> a lot has happened <laughs> so uh because of this music so um yeah. but I'm really proud of it and actually I'm kind of I don't feel worried about it in the same way that I have with other things because I don't actually this really doesn't matter if people mm. don't like it because I know it's really fucking good. <laughs> that's a good that's like, a good state you know, to be in, isn't like, it? That's a good it feeling. It fulfilled me in all the ways that like making work yeah could possibly do me so too. I've kind of won my prize or I mm. won the prize and so 
that's enough. And yeah. Then as a bonus, if you know what I mean. The prize has already been won and it's given out. Process, a long time. It's so like it's such an enriching thing to make this music mm. for me. So like, what else is that? What else are you doing it for? You know. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So, that was it. Um, okay, thank, cool. thank you so so much. Thank you for that. Yeah. Great. Nice. Great. That was really nice. Okay, so that was me, Paul Hamford, talking with Graham Coxon and Rose Eleanor Dougal, collectively, The Wave. And we had that conversation uh, last week, so that was like a couple of weeks into January 2023. The self-titled debut album, The Wave, is out on February the 5th on Transcopic Records. And it was really great chatting to them. I hope you enjoyed that. Thanks to ESO for doing the music for the show that you hear at the beginning, at the end of every episode. And Lost and Sound is presented and produced by me, Paul Hanford. Um, my sponsor is Audio Technica, makers of high-quality audio accessible to all headphones, turntables, cartridges, microphones, stuff that I use, stuff that you use. And I record and edit all of the interviews that you hear wearing the ATH M50X monitor headphones. And the reason that I love these so much is that they block out so much of the outside sound and they give me really good sound inside. So I always edit in cafes. I don't, I do as minimal amount of work as at home as possible. And I just don't get distracted by chatter around me when i'm listening to them i'm in my own sound world head over over to audiotechnica.com wherever you are in the world and check out their range of stuff and finally my book coming to berlin global journeys into a club culture and electronic music capital is out now on velocity press right i hope you're having a really 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 lovely day wherever you are and i'll chat to you soon